Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. My special guest is Hazel Ann Lynch. Hazel Ann writes in a number of different genres she excels in every single one of them. And she's also a well-known networker. She desires to bring laughter to the heart of her readers. The title of her debut book is Senior Fluffy, A Cat's Tale. Hazel Ann, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and to meet you. Let's begin this journey. What does it mean, Hazel Ann, to be a creative writer? Hmm. To me, I think that's the first time I've ever been asked this question. To me, being a creative writer is to create something maybe that has been created before, but in a different way, because nobody writes like me and nobody will write like you. We could write the same story. We could hear the same prompt, but we will both write it different. It might have some similarities. I think it's just to go out of bounds of the normal writing. At least to me, that is what is. I just love to create stories. Right. You know, so yeah. why is creative writing important? I think it's important because it has so much technology now. Even the young kids, they don't use their brains sometimes to think. They're always on tech. They're on their laptop, their phone, computers, the TV, and to create this when I write a story or just see somebody passing down the street, a dog hearing a bird sing, sometimes that just do something to your imagination. Sometimes you're writing, but you don't know what you're going to write about, and you just see a bird fly by. Now your story is not about a bird. Your imagination going, something about that bird gives you incentive to write whatever you're writing. And I think... That is part of being creative. You create something that wasn't created before. It's great for the kids. And reading is so important. And to create a story is just important. People need to read more, not only children, adults too. Oh my God, I love to read and write. I find that is the best hobby in the world, reading and writing. It takes you places. You don't even have to pack your suitcase to go. Only you need a visa or passport. You just write and you or read and you're just someplace different. What was an early experience where you learned that writing had power? Hmm. I don't know if it was like an early experience that early. I live a bit in New York in Brooklyn. And I think it was my first reading opportunity at the Grand Army Library, which is the biggest library in Brooklyn. And I started to go to these writing workshops. Now, I didn't know that, but they, one time they asked you for stories. They were doing a little book, an anthology. And I sent in four. Mm-hmm. And they, I sent in a couple, but I waited until the second to last day, so they only choose one. But thank God I got in. And... They gave us an opportunity after that to read at this bookstore. We could read two pieces, I think, for seven minutes each. Seven minutes for the whole two. So I choose something like touching, and I choose something like comedic. I love to laugh plenty. And let me tell you, when I read that story, it was Avocado Lane. I don't know why I named it that, because I, maybe because I love avocados. <laughs> Avocado Lane. When I read that story... People were crying, and I was like, and when I read the one, the comedy one, it was with Sly Sylvester Fox taking Red Riding Hood for a date. I don't know why I come up with this character, Sly Sylvester Fox, but I love fairy tale. And the people were falling out of their seats, and I was like, hmm. So if I have the ability to make people cry at something I just wrote, and 
make people laugh, then I'm onto something because I think that is so powerful. It had this lady right in front in the first row. She was like bawling. And I was like, but the story isn't so sad, but it's final. But the reaction, and I got so many standing ovations. I was like, wait, I could get accustomed to this life. Is this what writers go through? I want it. And the people give me three standing ovations. Sometimes you don't really have confidence in your writing. Or maybe, not that you don't have confidence, you don't believe that your writing is powerful. Mm-hmm. Although you, I find it simple, other people find it different. They, a lot of people want to know, where do you think about these fairy tales? How did you think to write that? Oh my God, and that story about your father or that man was so good. Oh my God, don't ever stop the... And it's like something so simple could touch somebody so profound, even if it's something funny. Mm-hmm. People define the word fairy tales differently. Yes. What does it mean to you, a fairy tale? Hmm. What does it mean to me a fairy tale? When I grew up, I think my writing hero is Enid Blyton because I remember her English and I think she really got discovered when she, after she passed away, I read. I was so excited to learn about her and it's sad to know that you're reading people's stories after they died. I think when she died, that is when she really became famous because like, she didn't believe she could actually write stories. I think so. And she used to write a lot of fairy tales about fairies and gomes and those elves that live in the trees. I always tell people on podcasts or interviews, Enid Blyton is my writing hero. I think reading her books was so inspiring. Although I was reading way before that, and like that opened up something inside of me. And one day I said, I was like five, and I said, if Eden Blyton could do it, I could be the next Eden Blyton or something like that. I said to myself, I didn't even know if I know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think fairy tales, hmm. I think she gave me that thing to write fairy tales and use my imagination and put it out there and write stories that maybe the normal person wouldn't think of, even if you're here like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. I will think about, okay, so what happened to Cinderella after she got married to the prince? What happened? Did they have children? Did they, was he really that charming? Was old Mother Hubbard really old? Was Pinocchio really made of wood? Or did he go in and out? I have an imagination. I don't know if it's normal or if normal writers think like that. But when I hear something, my mind does just start working like a clock. I tell you, the only time I get rest is when I'm sleeping. I get up to turn on the light, drink water, something, my brain just started. I always thinking about something to write. Have you ever watch ants like crawling up a wall or on the ground? In the Caribbean, sometimes you'll see the little ants and they will go in a line. But when two meet, it's like they say hello to each other. They always stop and like they greet each other. And growing up, I always used to wonder about that. What do they say when they stop there? So things like that always inspire my imagination, like the flowers outside. They are males and females. So do they have children? Two flowers, I never thought of it before. Two seeds, it must have a male and a female. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? A male and a female flower? How is that even possible? But I guess it have to have a male and a female in everything to get offspring. My imagination runs very wild, and I always think about unusual story settings or just stories. Knowing you had such a vivid imagination growing up, yeah. how yeah. were you perceived by others, the other kids in the neighborhood? What did they think? Here she comes again with another story. How were you perceived? I remember one incident growing up. I used to read a lot when I tell you a lot, and then I discovered chapter books that had no pictures. Mm-hmm. And I remember on my lunch break, when I was going to primary school, I was like five, could be six or younger because primary school, that is when you're really young. You started five years, five years. You start until 12 or 13. And the kids, they used to 
mocked me. Oh my God, here she goes, always reading her head, it's always in a book. I don't remember who was the child, but the child said, you must be really stupid. Why are you reading books without pictures in it? And I just look at the child. I, I was a child myself. And I said, I don't need pictures to tell me the story. It's there right there in black and white. This is the story. You don't need pictures to tell you the story. You all don't even know how beautiful it is to read and just immerse yourself in a story about like with a dragon or a prince. The reason I asked you that earlier today, I had a conversation with one of my relatives, an older relative. And she said, Michael, when you were a little boy, you were reading the newspaper at the age of three and four. Wow. I said, really? She yes. said, yes. She said, while the other kids were out playing, you yes. were sitting on the front porch reading. Yes. Just, and she said, not just the comic section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were reading from front to back. <laughs> yes, yes. And I didn't yes. know that. So that yes. reminds me of you in a sense, because yes. we could be related in that way. It's a wonderful thing. And sometimes when I meet people and I introduce myself as a local author, mm-hmm. tell them about my books, sometimes they watch you so strange, like you have like horns or your, on your head or flowers growing out of your head. I say, when was the last book you read? And sometimes I'll ask them questions and they say they don't like reading. I'll be like, oh, that is so offensive to a reader, not even an author. Mm-hmm. But how can not... I show you on your phone whole day. Most people are on their cell phone whole days. And you're reading. You're just not reading a book. But you don't have to read a physical book. The important thing is that you read. You gain knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge. When you have knowledge, people can't tell you wrong things because you don't know. So nobody could fool you to say, let us go there. We will see like a prince and thing. You know, they don't have any prince there. So, you know, you're not going. So your love of reading, your yes. love of fairy tales, your love of life. Mm-hmm. Did they combine to lead you to writing Senior Fluffy? How did that come about? What inspired it? The thing is, everything like it seems to happen when I was in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn. When I got my first piece published, it was a little horror. Yeah. I like to shake up people when I write. People just call me the fairy tale writer. <laughs> so I got a name in New York, the fairy tale writer. I was like, Lord, these people don't even know me. But that was the name they gave me. And I was talking to this guy. He's white. And he had red hair. Very nice young guy. And when I look into the book where all of us get a piece of a store, an anthology, when I click on his one, I said his, I saw his pseudonym was Senior Fluffy. <laughs> and I don't know what came over me. It was a room full of people serving drinks, eats. It had a lot of photographers. That's um, through the New York Coalition writers. So the head and everything were there. And I said, Bryce, tell me how you got this senior fluffy, how you got that pseudonym. Bryce started to tell me, and up to now, I don't know what he said. All I heard, I guess it came as the voice of inspiration, was a voice telling me to write a story about a French cat with a Spanish name, not a poodle. It was very specific, not a poodle. And I was like, okay, am I hallucinating, but I'm not seeing anything. Or am I dreaming? And I pinch myself very hard and I'm all out. And everybody watched me and I was like, nothing, everything is okay. And I was like, Bryce, did you hear that man speaking? And he's like, what man? And he watched me strange. And I say, let me keep my thoughts to myself. And I said, Bryce, shut up. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take your pseudonym, add on something else. Oh, I'm going to write a book called Senior Fluffy a Cat Steel. Yeah. And then I jumped because I was like, what? A cat? Who thinking to write a book about a cat? Not me. It was like just seeing mm-hmm. what a cat looked like, what the owner looked like, a Jamaican cat, the parrot, Trinidadian parrot. And I was, what's happening to me? I started to get a bit like, not really frightened, but it was a weird experience. Mm-hmm. So I just said, Bryce, you have any paper? Give me paper. So, you know, and then we asked for napkins. And I just sat down there and I started to pen that story right there. And up until now, the cat is rent, living rent-free in my brain, and he wouldn't pay me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he's rent-free. Everything is this cat, senior, fluffy, this senior. Oh, my God. The questions people ask me about this cat. 
Wow. It's like, you will meet me in the road and ask me all kind of question. When I was in New York too, people used to stop me for two hours asking me questions about this cat. And they always want to know if it's real. I said, it's just my imagination. But how you could talk to him about, to me about this cat for two hours and you, you don't even have a book. I say, I don't know. <laughs> it just comes natural to talk about this cat that, who I don't even really know. So that is how it started right there at the Brooklyn Library. Mm-hmm. Grand Army Library <laughs> in Park Slope there and that is where that idea came from talking to Bryce I always say thanks to him and his pseudonym that that was born the name Jogmai did something with my I say the voice of inspiration and it just went off from there and I acknowledge him in my book to tell him Thank you, and to all the Liberians and everybody who had a part in it, because and I talk nonstop about my stories anyway, and I think people just get fed up. <laughs> okay, what yeah. I want you to do is mm-hmm. share a passage from Senior Fluffy. Okay, this is my book here. It's called Senior Fluffy: A Cat's Tale. It's basically about Senior Fluffy is accustomed to butlers and housekeepers. Being carried from place to place, traveling the world, eating and drinking the best of the best. So when his human decides abruptly to leave for New York City, he is not having it. No, he's too bougie for that. So I'll read part of the first chapter. It's called Seriously. MDB is short for Madame Dubois, which is his human. So I'm going to read in my fake Trini, my fake French accent, which is my Trini accent. <laughs> I, Senior Fluffy, am mystified that my owner, Madame Dubois, is hell bent on going to New York City, that concrete jungle of all places. I cannot wrap my whiskers around the idea. Of moving from Paris, the city of lights where I was born, bred, and living a life of privilege, to embracing the unknown. Here I have butlers and housekeepers at my beck and call, the top floor for myself, toys and several variety of catnip. I'm accustomed to water flown in from the Swiss Alps, fresh cow's milk, caviar, salmon, pâté. And whatever my heart desires, I see a fluffy fear sumptuously every day. Thank you. Senior Fluffy. Yes. Is the cat, correct? The cat, yes, the cat. How, yes, old, the how old is he? People ask me that all the time and I was like, he has no age. <laughs> but he's between like a teenager. But like in teen, teenager years, not in cat years, mm-hmm. he's 12 or 12 around 12. So like in our human years, not really cat, because I think cat is, cat is like dog seven to one, something okay. like that. Yeah. But he's like on the brink of like teenager going to like tween, like a tween or whatever they say, like 12 going to 13, like that kind of way. Is he a friendly cat? Does he hang out? <laughs> Tell me well, everything about <laughs> so Fluffy. Describe him to me. I want to know everything. Yes. Senior Fluffy is a highfalutin aristocrat. <laughs> okay. So he's accustomed to the rich and privileged lifestyle. When I tell you rich, the cat never walk on all fours. He have butlers pick him up, feed him. So he don't know even about mingling with the, like people, even regular people like regular us or regular like, cats. You will like see you, outside. Like yes, like me. <laughs> or the four-legged kind, no. Oh, so, he talked to me, but he probably wouldn't talk to you. But he, <laughs> we'd hang out. We'd hang out. Yes, yes, we hang out. But he's a little bit hoity-toity, right, as we man. say. That's me. Right yes. <laughs> so it's like a wake-up call moving from his country and his way of life to going and live in New York when you don't know what you will meet there. And when he goes there, he realizes, look, wait, Madame Dubois? You didn't even buy the apartment. You're renting a studio. Wait, like common people? 
and we have to use the es the elevator with other those low life people and animals. <laughs> oh my God! I don't know what's going on with this one because she didn't lose some money. She's just rich, and he don't know why. She just decided to downgrade. And when I said downgrade, way way down. Now she so it's like whatever she eats, he eats. He don't even know what milk is anymore. He have to get accustomed to New York City tap water, and he don't like it. Okay. No. Yeah. He don't know what fish smell like or nothing. He's just depressed and want to go back to France. But on, he meets on his journey, he draw the book, he will meet a Jamaican alley cat who he think is like lower than him. Well, he thinks everybody's lower. Uh, um. Uh, New York City subway rat. Now, you cannot have a city about New York and you don't have a rat in it. Mm -hmm. She loves to go to the library and she helps the rodent population in the library. It must be, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was thinking, yes. She helped with homework and stuff like that, just to the rodent mm -hmm. population. <laughs> and it have a Trinidadian parrot called Esmeralda who could cook <laughs> wicked street food, like doubles, roti, you name it, she could cook it. <laughs> and it have a bad chihuahua. Yes, very bad. Now, you know? in France, did, <laughs> did he live in a chateau? Did he live in he a lived, Yes, he lived in a big, he lived in a big mansion, which okay. resembled the Paris, and he okay. had his own okay. floor right. with all the butlers and stuff. So he's downgraded because now he has to sleep on the floor like a regular cat because it's a one bedroom. He's very hurt. Because she didn't tell him this before. Because in the book, the animals and the people talk, they talk English. Mm -hmm. They could speak in their mouth, his thing, mm -hmm. but they speak like regular people if they want. And they walk and all, like this. <laughs> if they want, they go down on their four legs. But they just walk like that. They shop, they go to the movies, they take cabs. It's just that the animals and the people get along if they want to. Now, <laughs> do you view yourself as being more of a wordsmith or a storyteller or a combination? I think maybe a combination of both. I think I'm a lot of things. I just don't like to say I'm like one thing because sometimes people will ask me like, are you a children's writer? No, I'm a writer. I just love to tell stories. It don't matter. And I see a lot of writers, they will say they are children's author. And I was like, what is that? I know what is a children's author, mm -hmm. but do have they never wanted to write anything besides just children's book? And Senior Fluffy wasn't supposed to be a children's book. It was supposed to be for adults. It was to be a little naughty because I love naughty <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> do you know of the storyteller? She's passed away many years ago now, but her name was Jackie Torrance. She put storytelling on the map in the United mm. States. African American woman. Wow. And I want you to look her up. I'll send you some information. Yes. I want yes. you to know who she is. Yes. Because you remind me of her as I listen to you talk because you tell stories so well. The intricacy is there. The the way you pronounce the words, the way you lift in terms of your voice. You remind me of her. Oh, that is such a, I don't know, I never heard of her, but that is a great compliment. Thank yes, you. She was, she was big. She's yes. A she's a storytelling superstar, and she's one wow. of the people in the National Black Association of Storytellers. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes. I like to see when our people, and I don't have anything race-wise, I'm oh, not, yeah. when we excel at stuff, mm -hmm. we do things and we make people proud and then I could aspire to be like that. I want to be like Jackie Torrance, like yeah. a world-renowned storyteller. Yes. Because I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think living away for a, quite a while, mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about this writing thing. It was it didn't exist when I was around. They have this thing called the Bookalit Fest, and I, I went to it last month, and I was so intrigued to meet people from Poland, Ireland, and a lot of writers from all over the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So I went and I just sucked in everything. And I was just, I didn't know these people. I only saw them online. And I was introducing them to this guy who I did a podcast with because he was there. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And everybody was saying, you are such a great marketer. Do you know these people? I said, no, I just see them online. But they should know you because you tell, Mm -hmm. you're a good podcaster. These are all authors. Some people are publishers. Some are illustrators. It's good for all of us to come together and help each other. If not that together would, oh, these are podcasters. I will introduce people to you because you did a great job when you interviewed me. So Mm -hmm. I said, meet Sherry Jones, she's from Barbados. She's a lawyer. She wrote her other one, Arm Sister Sweeps the House. She won a lot of awards all over. Mm-hmm. I aspire to be like that also. Mm-hmm. She's Bajan, but she's from the Caribbean. And I, I am so blown away when we do great things. Sometimes it didn't have to be nothing like big out there, but things you love to do and just do it well. And then me, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I tried to find out how I could be to be like that. Not exactly to be like her, mm-hmm. but to do what she did with her book. How a book get to be out there? What do I have to do? Something like that. I'm an independent author. I have no publisher, no agent. Mm. But when I was in New York, an agent approached me and I blew that. I didn't start to really write. Yes, I, I just used to go to workshop and she was there. She just published this guy. Beautiful black mix. I don't know if she's black mix. She had this kind of nice wavy hair. That don't mean a mix, but sometimes in the Caribbean we see it's a mix of something. Yes. And it was our workshop and she came there. They explained why she was there. It had a camera, people and stuff. And during, this is a workshop we go. They give us a prom. People who have story coming out or if you write a story, going to get it published, you will read it to the whole class and we'll give a give them our views, nothing negative, but we'll tell them. Because, you know, some people just get their feelings hurt easily when you critique. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those. Because it's good to hear where you go wrong because you want other people to read this thing. So we took a break after a half an hour or more or so. And she came up. I was by a table because she had books. She's also an author. And I was watching something. And she came up to me and she said, Hi, Hazel. And I was like, how do you know my name? She said, but I heard when you read us, but it's like more than 50 people here. So how do you remember my name specifically out of all these people? And you just met me. We didn't even formally shake hands. But how do you remember my name? She said, because I remember your story. Mm. That story was so interesting. It blew my mind away. I think it was some, it's either was Cinderella or the three Little pigs and the big bad wolf, something like that. I really love fairy tales. I don't know why. I just love to write about these characters. <laughs> and I've never read a fairy tale and thought about what happened to them after. That is so intriguing. Mm-hmm. I would never think to write something like that. So she said, how much stories you have? I think it must be 20. 40, 50, 100, I don't know. I just write, I just write and put stories there and write. I say, I'm really trying to make it into a book, a chapter book or something for kids, maybe. I don't know. She gave me like 99 numbers, including a fax number too, mm. to call her. And I was like, what these people does really do? Call her. I just start to write. Sometimes maybe I think, we think as people, sometimes we are not good enough, maybe. Yes. We, that little voice will yes. come in our head, yes. you know? What do you have to offer? It's called so, the imposter syndrome. Yes. Like, this can't be for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I see with my stories, people laugh when I write my fairy tales. Let me tell you, people used to beg me when I go into the, what story tale? What fairy tale we into the, is it about the tree that picks or the, that parrot or the snail you write about? Oh, that ants. Oh, remember that goat? I was like, oh, well, no, Hazel, I'm going to beg you right now to read another passage. <laughs> oh, Lord. Because that time will be almost up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read. Yeah, I'm about to invite you to come back for part two. Anytime, <laughs> anytime, anytime. I am. Let me see. I'll read. Okay, Rasta Cut. Okay, this chapter is called Rasta Cut. As I was about to lock the door, I felt a presence besides me, and a deep voice said, Wagwan. I turned to see the same skinny, scraggly Jamaican cat from the bus. It seems like I lost a few of my nine lives in that moment. I was so mortified that a cat of my stature could be approached by an alley cat. Ain't nobody 
I slip back inside and slam the door in his face. Imagine me, senior for the face. <laughs> and Addy Cat say, what's up? To me, who does he think he is? Huh. After coughing up some hairballs, I felt better to deal with the situation. Reopening the door, I realized that he was nowhere in sight. But as I stepped into Golden Cross on Church Avenue, who do you think I bumped into? You guessed it right, to to make and cut. For a minute, I thought I had a twin and that my parents, blessed their 18 lives, forgot to tell me all about it. Apparently, I had a shadow. Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned Enid Blyton. Yes. Who are some other writers that you view as being influences? Huckleberry. I can remember the books. Yes, Twain. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that story. And you know, growing up, it didn't have, I don't think, I think the only person I remember was on Huckleberry Finn, his friend. I think it was a slave. Was he the guy, the black guy on the boat or yes. the whatever? Yes. yes. I think that's the only really black person. Back in the day, we never, I don't know if I ever thought about it. Maybe I did. Why is, what? Why didn't have somebody like me in the book, like a story about me or a little bad girl or a little brown boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we just used to be just reading, but a different genre of pe- just different people, but not us. So I used to imagine myself in all the stories that I read. I used to be in those stories. His, yeah. his friend, I'll call him his friend. Mm-hmm, his, friend. Runaway, his friend was a runaway slave yes. named Jim. That was his name. Yes. yes. Or maybe because his name was. Why did they name him Huckleberry Finn instead? The runaway slave. I think that was <laughs> like a fitting name for him. Now, no, because it's so memorable. I would have named this him. This is not the time to be asking those kind of questions. Yes, and that is not my story. Okay. Maybe I will write that story. Huckleberry Finn, the runaway slave. Right. Yes, my mind starts going there. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Should we, based on everything we know about the world, because there's good, there's bad, there's mm-hmm. ugly, as well as the indifferent. Yes. yes. Should we take things for face value or should we try to find out a different truth behind whatever it is? I've never asked this question before. And I'm just wondering. Should we just take it as it is or should we question? No. Like I'm a person. I like to, I question things. I don't take everything. I don't take some things, maybe, mm-hmm. but I question a lot of things. Why? If I ask a lot of questions, big as I am, I always, I don't know. I just love to ask questions and I love to find out the answer. I'm grown. I tell you sometimes I'm like a child. And that is how I was when I was growing up. I always like to find out things. And I think sometimes it pays you to find out things like, how does this work? Is it really true? Did he really invent this? And sometimes it's not what that man said or that woman. Sometimes mm-hmm. they tell you what you what we want to hear. And it's not that is not even the story. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of story with slaves and this. We only know what we say so on roots and stuff, those story and mm-hmm. the help and all these kind of but it was way worse than that. Mm-hmm. I tell people we can't even imagine what really happened in those days. This what we seen on TV is nothing compared to what those people went through. Right. No way, Jose. No, no. way, Jose. No. Mm-mm. It was must be a hundred times worse than and we would not like to be there. No. We wouldn't no. No. I agree with that one hundred percent. I want to share something with you. I don't ordinarily yes. share any of my own work, but I feel compelled mm. to share this at oh, this particular moment. It's, it relates to what we were talking about in terms of taking things as say, at, at face value, whether we should do that or not. And this is a piece that I wrote. It's a poem that I wrote over 25 years ago. And the title of it is, The Ain't of What Is. Hmm. The Ain't of What Is is the is of what ain't, isn't it? Or so I was told as a child. So I grew up believing that it is what it is. If it is what it is, that you should not question what it is if it is what it is. 
Now, I'm much older, and I know otherwise. Life has taught me that you must question what it is in order to find out what it ain't. And if it ain't what it is, that you were told that it is, then it is what it is, because it is what it is. But if it is what it is, and you thought that it was, then it ain't what it was, that you were told that it was, and it is what it is, because you questioned what it is and found out what it ain't. So always remember to question what it is, because it is what it is, until you find out that it ain't, and you'll never know what it ain't until you find out what it is. All right. That's beautiful. <laughs> but and that makes perfect sense. That's what you do. Yes. You're doing yes. that as a child. You were questioning what yes. it is. And people yes. would want you to be quiet. Yes. Yes. How could you be quiet when you want to know something? Mm-hmm. You have to ask questions to know things. And sometimes your parents will say, hush, shut your mouth. Yes. Don't ask that. But how would you learn? How um, would you know? This child always asking questions, but that is what we're supposed to do. That is how we learn. They mm-hmm. must ask questions. I grew up like that, asking questions. I must get some shut up too. I don't know. But you have to. That is how you absorb stuff. You love kids' touch. They want to know. Oh, my God. My son used to ask me like a million and trillion questions. And I just used to tell him over and over. Because I see, I show I was like that too. And that is how they learn. So you must. You bring them into this world. You have to. We have to teach them. Don't get fed up. Sometimes you might get a little, oh my God, didn't he ask me like 30 times already? <laughs> Just answer 31. That's okay. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Please share another passage. Wow. Let me see what I could share. Okay. Let me see. Sweet bread, anyone? So sweet bread is like a bread. It's basically like a banana bread in the Caribbean, in Trinidad. I don't know if they make it any other Caribbean countries. It's made with coconut, flour, cinnamon, and spices, milk, and those kind of things, butter and stuff. I don't know. I like food. This passage is called sweet bread. Anyone? As I prepared all my ingredients to take to Rena's house, Rena is the New York City rat, to bake and make some delicious cocoa tea, I double-checked my bag, flour, sugar, cinnamon, banana, vanilla, essence, coconut, spice. The list went on and on. Whatever I did not have, I would get at Rena's or purchase it at the deli or the Korean market. This was everyone's first time going to Rena's, and we did not know what to expect at her place of abode, as rats have a way of chewing up everything they could get their paws on and pooping everywhere. Yuck! Just nasty, if you ask me. But hey, no one did, so I'm just going to keep my beak to myself. I wave good work. Goodbye to MDB, Madame Dubois, and Senior Fluffy. As I made, as I closed the door, I said, I felt my tail beginning to twitch as I casually turned. It was to see Napoleon, the Chihuahua, and his mongrels watching me, like I was going to be their last meal. I nodded as I took flight, not hesitating one second. When I reached Rena, Rena's place, she opened the door in a fuchsia and white kimono with two wooden chopsticks in her hair. Can you imagine seeing that on a rat? I don't know. She looked up. She looked me up and down in my white baking hat and white apron. She squeaked as she opened the door wider. I was spellbound as I entered. Madame Dubois and Rena, between Madame Dubois and Rena, I don't know how's it going on more. I swear I felt like I just walked into a home and garden magazine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because Rena is not like an ordinary rat. At least the rats we know all is pooping all over your house and you'll see their little droppings everywhere. So Rena is a rat 
who is very tidy. She lives in the subway, not not in the station per se, but in an old subway boot that she renovated. And it's everything just, it's like you're going into like one of those rich people's home because she have a dog like that. She don't play when coming. She's very different to the typical rat, you know. Hazelan, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Dream big. Mm. Don't give up. I wish I had started younger, like when I was really five. Like I told my parents, I remember telling my parents at a really young age that I'm going one day I'm going to be a writer. Mommy, I'm I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. And I don't think they paid me much attention. They must be like, What is time about being a writer? Oh my god, all these little children. I don't know what she said. But it has this ridiculous in Trinidad. She's seven years old. She has seven, seven books she published. And I heard she just dropped two today. Mm. Seven years. When I watch this child, she is so brilliant. She go everywhere and speak, right? Now she's in St. Kitts. She's homeschooled. The girl have dolls. It's not just what she have. It's just that being the writer. She's so eloquent at seven years, how she speaks. She's seven, but she's big out there in the water. And she, then she have a parent who be, her parents who believe in her and give her that push. I always tell people, if you have a sibling, a cousin, a friend, and they say they want to paint the sidewalk, please encourage them. They want to make chalk. They want to invent a paperclip. Yes, we know it's already invented, but still encourage them to invent a paperclip. It's invented. Just say, man, you don't want to invent it. You'll be, you invent it. Don't dash away their hopes and the dreams because sometimes you could be that one person in that child or adult's life and just say something negative and they just give up on that dream and never know where they could have been or how far they could go. So I'll just say dream big and maybe don't give up on your dreams. You know, you can't do it. Don't matter what age you are. And even if your parents didn't believe in you, you have to believe in yourself. Speaking of yeah. that, do you view your ability to write as being a creative gift or creative art? Or a combination? I think it's a combination. I, I certainly think it's a God-given gift mm -hmm. because I don't know really why I like to read and write like that. I think it's really a God-given gift and it's an art, it's a talent. It's just because a lot of people say, but you write a whole book by yourself. Like, yes, I did. It's just a book. It's a book. Anybody could write a book. And people just tell me, no, it's not everybody had a talent. And I say, why? Why you can't sit down and just write a book? It mightn't be a day. I know some people write a book in one day. Some people write a book in a week. Some people take 20 years. So why can't you? I say you could. The sky is not a limit. The sky is limitless to me. Anything you put your mind to, once your heart fade, you have God and you just think it. The journey is not easy for most of us. It's not easy for me being an independent author. It's hard, let me tell you. With Senior Fluffy, uh -huh. created a world. Yes. Did you hide any secrets in Senior Fluffy that only a few people could possibly find? I wouldn't say secret per se, mm -hmm. but that's a good question. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> yes. Oh, they do. Tell me, tell me about oh. it so I can get some. Now, <laughs> um, see, I had a competition, right? Mm -hmm. I say, I want my name to get out there more. So I always think of ways I can market myself. Now, I might not have the funds. So I think what, I wouldn't say cheap, but ways I don't have to spend money that I don't have mm -hmm. to get myself out there. So something this brings, I say, why don't you do a competition? I'm speaking to myself. Mm -hmm. I say, I don't know how to do a competition. How do you start a competition? And I just see like Senior Fluffy come up, a Christmas competition. I did it last year. For children. Mm -hmm. And when I got the word out. So why are you only having a competition for children? Because children small. Um, so you have any electronics. I say, miss, this is not a big competition. eh? It's just a little thing for children from 7 to 12, I think it was. And then I did it to 13. And then so many adults came to me. I just look, it's for anybody. It could be a baby. They could enter. Mm -hmm. I went around. I asked people for donation because I'm in a mall every day. My mom have a little craft a souvenir craft shop in a mall 
and I went around asking the people and telling them my idea. They like me. They love me, I should say. I'm loving that mall. I don't know why. People are weird. And and I asked some businesses, but it was close to Christmas, so I got a few hampers from some companies. Mm-hmm. And I say I will give the winners one box each. So I had a drawing category, a writing. Senior Fluffy come to Trinidad for his first, the first time he come to Trinidad. What his experience like from the plane to the few days he spent or the week, whatever he spent in Trinidad, what happened? Give me a nice. And the stories were so like, wow. It had a girl, people was asking me if I wrote that story. I said, no, when I read it, I thought I had entered the competition and I didn't know. She wrote just if I write that. She came in first, yes. So, she, and they got a lot of gifts, and I, I didn't want to spend any of my money, but I ended up buying. Some people got five, six gifts, and I was like, "It's a competition." But it was so nice to give. I bought drinks. Friends came. They bought all kind of cakes, pies, pastries. So everybody, even people in the mall, got stuff to eat and drink. I had people saying the poems who want to recite part of this story. I had an entertainer. He did it for me free of charge. I was like. Can you come once? But I have no money to pay. He said, of course, if not to ask me twice. I was like, what happened like that? So you see, I think when you're nice to people too, or you just be yourself, people just gyrate towards that. They just gravitate, I should say. Because like they feel your vibes or your heart, and they know that you're genuine or whatever. I think you just get back what you basically give out. What I basically give out, that is what I get back. So it was nice. And then every now, they want me to do competition for Valentine's. I said, I don't have all that time. So I have one one again for this Christmas. Okay. So I'm going to start uh, maybe September. I'm going to start to write to all those big companies in Trinidad. The papers, the banks, the this, the water company, to see if I could get some really nice gift. <laughs> like way better. Look, if I get a couple of computers, iPad, well, I'll keep in one for myself. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm a giving person by nature. I can tell. Yeah, I love to give. I love to give. I'll right. give my last dollar. Hazel, yeah. let me give my last question. Yes, get it in. I might talk about it. Yeah. Let me give my last couple of questions in. What? I'll try to keep it short. You're great. You're great interviewer. That's why I forget. just I forget it's not my show. You're Sorry. a fantastic guest. Oh, it's the guest that brings out the interviewer, not the other way around. No, but it's the interviewer that asks the question that make the guess. Okay, okay, okay. What is the easiest part of your artistic process? I think the easiest part for me mm-hmm. is just getting a story. Just a story. Just getting a story. I think I could write a story in the blink of an eye. It might not be the perfect story. But I think I could think of a scene, a scenario, like you will be talking to me, like that Huckleberry Finn, and it might be in my mind. And then I will be like, why nobody ever think to write a story about this guy? And I go in and rename him from Jim. That kind of way, somebody will be telling me thing, and then I'm thinking, I never hear about this guy, Jim, the sleeve. Is there any other story about... I think I just could make up a story at the drop of a hat. Just somebody might say... You might hear them on the train and the bus walking. I'm always into people conversations when I'm walking along the street. And I'll butt in and I'll say, no, it's not because I'm minding your business. I'm an author. I listen to people, ears drop on people conversation. Not because I want to mind your business, but something you said sparked my imagination to write something. That's the only reason. Yeah. What has been the most difficult part of your artistic process? I think it's now, I think marketing, promoting and advertising. I think that is very really difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that time when I was in New York and I used to be at the library, live there, literally, not really, not literally. I used to be there so much and I should have used some of that time to really focus on my writing journey, like final things, what you do when your book publish, how do it? Because when I came, I don't even know, like, I wrote a story, and I was like, so, wait, so how does it actually get to leave my pages to get out there? And I had no clue. I'm a grown, but I had no clue mm-hmm. until I started to find out, call around, ask people, and I was like, 
I should have knew this all along when I was out there, but I didn't. But I think it's good to you for us to learn things from like scratch. We have a bit a deeper appreciation for it, I think. And somebody just giving us everything. And we've almost reached the end of our writing journey. And yes. I'm wondering, would you favor us with one more passage? Oh my gosh, I feel so so I love to read. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, let me read this. Okay. The pitter patter of little feet. This is the Jamaican cat speaking, so I try to speak like a Jamaican only. Okay. Me, Mali, adored Senior Fluffy, but knew that he only tolerated me as an acquaintance and not exactly a brethren. Me did not get the love-hate relationship between Fluffy and Madame Dubois. Sometimes it was hard to tell who owned whom. Upon reaching Senior Fluffy and Esmeralda's apartment, me was in trial with Esmeralda's birdcage as it was a masterpiece. No one said anything or even laughed when we saw Senior Fluffy pink tent bed as it was obvious to everyone that Madame Dubois had a serious love affair with pink. As we greeted Madame Dubois, she looked nothing like me in vision. Her cola, that's mean color in Jamaican, mm-hmm. was pale as a duppy, meaning a ghost. Not that me ever saw one in real life, but pandy television. Everyone calls me an alley cat. Is it because me was from in an alley? Anyway, that's besides the point. All me know is that me human me human pillow loves me to bits. Every time me walk past her or brush against her legs, she takes time out of her busy day to give me a soothing scratch on me head or rub me tummy while me pull me out and spread out my legs in ecstasy. Those cats do it. Thank you. What I was really trying to create here is, as it has a Jamaican mm-hmm. creature, a cat, I was trying to speak, because it has a lot of Jamaicans could understand. So I tried to, I don't have the Jamaican accent, Dong Pak, but I tried to, like any creature I have, any character, I try to, because it has a lot of French in here. Don't ask me to reach in French, I can't pronounce it, but I wrote it in French. Because mm-hmm. Senior Fluffy is French. So I try to get a little bit of everybody like language now, like what it feels and what it sounds like. Really songs so they could get like a taste of the Jamaican culture and stuff like that. Is Senior Fluffy a children's book? Yes, it is. Young adults. All the children as young as five have read it. My question is, mm-hmm. are you hoping this book resonates with a broad range of readers or mm-hmm. are you targeting a specific audience? I should be targeting a specific audience, but I think I just target anybody. I just like people, anybody who want to read a book, but I know authors, they go, that is their business. You have to go after a specific range, like my book is YA, that is who I have to target, like in schools, at the library, at this, you have to target the people in the genre. You say you have to target your age range for the book, but I don't target that. I target, look, who want to read my book? That is the age range. The age range for me is whoever want to read a story. Do you yeah. think you were meant to be a writer, a creative writer? Yes, I think. That was supposed, I think that is one of the reasons I was put on planet Earth. I think it's to tell stories and make people feel good. When I was in New York and I used to read at these, this particular workshop at Brooklyn Ethical, but it sold that building now. It's an old building, I think a hundred and something years. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And some people approached me and they said, Hazel, you have that gift, Gil. I said, ah, I didn't get nothing. What gift? to make people feel better about themselves. Mm. Your stories could be fictional. We don't know. But you tell it through 
animals, fairies, whatever, but it resonates with us. You should go after people who are abused sexually, mentally, physically. Mm -hmm. You will do good in that. You have that. And I always remember that. And I was like, me, what are these people drinking? Mm -hmm. What what about my story could resonate? And I was like, hmm. And it always had me wondering. And it wasn't one person. People used to constantly tell me that the different groups I went to. Mm -hmm. I have something for people who have been through trauma. Yes, trauma will heal after hearing my story and or it will put them on the road to healing. That is it, trauma. Yeah. And I was like, what? Hearing about Senior Fluffy and Cinderella and thing? What mm-hmm. people who listening from the outside, they know what they're talking about. I who write, I wouldn't see it or get it. What surprises you then most about being a creative writer? What surprises me most is that people are so drawn to what I write and the character and the questions they will text me and ask me people who I don't even know. Like it have this guilt every day the woman come into the store and have a serious conversation with my crochet cat. Mm -hmm. I have it in in the chair. I forgot to bring it. Just like he's in the book. He's not drinking the coffee. Every day the woman comes into the store Good morning, Senior Fluffy. How was your weekend? What did you do over the weekend? Did you go to the beach? And I just just be like, I should be taping this woman. Every day she don't miss a day while talking to this cat. It's been going on two months now. And I was like, "Hmm." But I think people just love my characters. I don't know if they see themselves. Maybe they understand or they just so infatuated or they just love it. But I think people are just drawn to the character and myself, they like what I write and they cannot wait for the senior floppy part. What are you waiting on? I say, all you fund my project now. It's not easy to be a writing Trinidad. I'm not rich, people. <laughs> so, Just fun. Yeah. So what have you learned about yourself writing Senior Fluffy? What did you discover about Hazel and Lynch from writing that book? I think I could do anything that I want to. I think I'm stronger than I think I am. I think I have what it takes to be a great author. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, not much. I'm not a person who really, I have a great self-esteem. I really don't doubt myself, but I think maybe sometimes, not that I think that my journey is taking too long, but it have some things that I cannot do. I always say I'm tech illiterate. So sometimes I might want to put the ass, like right now I want to do, okay, Senior Fluffy, he's in New York. So I would like to get an animation with he going different places, like like a little show, but not a show. Mm-hmm. And I ask somebody just to do senior fluffy dancing. He's, that is $6,000, TT. He's in Canadian. But I know it's expensive yes. for animation. Mm-hmm. So I say, let me try to get out my next two books and I will check you back. <laughs> I will keep you in mind. But right now, it's just too much. It's a lot. Because I want to do so many things and it's just difficult but I know I don't let what I cannot do stop me from doing what I could do so I say little by little I'll get up the ladder I'll get my journey is just different all of us journey is different some people might get there fast but my (laughs) journey right now is like a snail but I'm learning if writing were banned tomorrow Oh, hell no. No way. No more. I will be a rebel. Look, I go in and take down some doors and stand up in the square and tell them, no way. You cannot buy writing or reading. I don't even watch TV. Since I came home nearly five years ago, I don't watch TV. So I read and write a lot and I have pen pals all over the world. Look, today I got eight letters and I haven't looked at it yet because I say, let me do my show. I love people. I am a people person and I like Meeting people, writing people who you don't know, getting to know their culture. What do you do? How does your life? And basically, they live just like us. They just eat different. They speak different. And they travel more than me. That is what. But it's a beautiful thing to meet somebody and learn about them. I love that. Writers write for a million reasons, Hazel. Yes. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Mm-hmm. Others write because staying silent is not yes. an option. No. Why do you write, Miss Lynch? Yes. 
I think I ride both. I don't like to stay silent for too long, as you can see. I could go on and on. Mm -hmm. I don't think staying silent is just you're silent with the rest. You cannot stay silent on some things. You have to let your voice be heard. And I think one person can make a difference. If Martin Luther didn't stand up to some things, he would not be how he was. Rosa Parks. I'm on, and some of those great. And sometimes you don't have to be great. But you do something and you make a mark in this world. Mm-hmm. It could be something as just even writing a book. Sometimes your book could move mountains. You just have to be you. And sometimes I think God put each of us here for a reason. Mm-hmm. It could just be by just talking to people, writing a pen pal. You don't know what difference you make when that person gets your letter, mm-hmm. when they read those words on people, what that means to them, just to open the mailbox and say, oh my God, a letter from Hazel. When I get mails, I just be like, oh my God. I am. I, I don't know if I am even normal. Sometimes I just wonder if I'm a normal person. My mother does be so fast. What you like? That's pal, pen pal. I say, woman, you know how it is. Just like you love your plants. I don't like plants like that. I love flowers. Yes, I love flowers. Any kind. Real flowers, but I wouldn't go and plant it. Mm. I might plant, I love cactus and things. <laughs> yes, I will plant that. I won't have a mini cactus garden. I don't know when. But just like how you love something, I might love it, but it has something I love. I love seeing the written word and people. Somebody take time out of their busy day to write me a letter to just say, how are you? How was your day? How's your life going? To me, that is something so beautiful. Just to say hello, how are you? I think, oh my God, I don't know if I, that is even normal, but sometimes I think that not abnormal, unique. <laughs> I think those that's a beautiful thing. It's like... think about you, I don't know. I, sh- I should be a um, interviewer. <laughs> you should yeah. be. All right. I have a YouTube channel, but I never started it. Chatterbox Chronicles. Okay, Hazeland, where can we purchase Senior Fluffy? You can purchase Senior Fluffy worldwide if you're abroad, anywhere, America, Germany, Malta, anywhere. You can read it at any Brooklyn or Manhattan branch, although you said purchase. If you're in Trinidad, you can get it at Scribbles and Quills bookstores in Shaguanas, mm-hmm. Paper Base bookstores at, in St. Anne's, Valentina Cheek. In Curep and fine print bookstores in Porto Spain at each side plaza mall. What about yes. Amazon or Barnes and Noble? Yes, maybe you have to call Barnes and Nobles and let them know. Hey, have you read this book, Senior Fluffy Acadie? You should get it. Maybe you have to give them that call. No, it's not theirs yet, but I would love to get in. And if I was in America, I will go personally to Target and Barnes and Nobles because they are my two favorite stores, and I would like. You know how much times I shop here, I can bring everything and show you. And you know why my book will be important? Because I love this place so much. Not only that, but it will be a great addition. I will get some line to tell them. And it will have to be funny too. Why wouldn't you want to have this awesome book in your bookstores? Oh my God, you know what you're missing? It's in your fluff or something. But that is what I'm working on. What is next for you? Where do you go from here creatively? Creatively, I want to do so much. Okay. So in the Senior Fluffy, now Senior Fluffy is, I don't know where he's taking me, but the next book is based on him coming to, going to Trinidad for COVID carnival and going to Tobago for the crab and goat race, which is a real thing. Crab and goat racing is a sight to behold, let me tell you. And I want to take it, maybe him, the book, Some Different Islands, and experience different things while being in the new characters. I would like to do get a coloring book, an audio. Some people say they're not buying my book unless I'm bringing out an audio and I speak all the... People are so bored. Anyway, <laughs> and I would love to do like an animated like little movie of him and maybe pretty soon a play with real people acting out this because I can see it in a play form. Wow. I have a lot of dreams, right? Branding, I want to brand it. Mm-hmm. And do like Tom loves dive, and you could get anything, senior fluffy. Anything I want to just do that clothes, shoes. I don't know. Oh my god, oh, yes, yes. I have big vision. 
I want to thank you for <laughs> just being remarkable. Oh. Um, being a gift to the world of writers, bringing alive Senior Fluffy, because I was reading while we were talking that someone said fairy tales, short stories are what adults need too. Yes. To escape, yes. to get away. Yes. If not forever, but just for a while. Mm-hmm. And you bring that to the world. Oh. And I wish you nothing but the best. I'd like you to come back. Uh, I've got a plan in mind. So I'd like to discuss that with you later. (laughs) So I want to thank you for uplifting my spirits. And I can already tell that you do that for everybody you encounter. Yeah, I try to be a light in this world. So many things going on, so negative. Just I try to just be myself. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much for having me. You are a great host. I felt so comfortable. <laughs> Look, let me tell you, they're not everybody's not a great host, of, obviously. But it have some people just feel like I could talk forever, which I was trying and to do. Did. So, and you did. And you did. That's what I, said, I was trying to do. Yes. <laughs> and I enjoyed every minute of it. But that is when you really feel that person vibes and you really feel so, not just confident, Please, but you're feeling so at ease. That is a gift in itself. When well, you I always can... said that I wanted to host the kind of show yes people could come on and feel yes. good about themselves i want to yeah. thank you and to the listening yeah. audience yeah. as i share with you every time we're together usually i say let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land but tonight i'll say let writing continue to live somewhere throughout the land continue to pick up the pen and share your thoughts because you never know who you meet where you could change their world Amen. Thank you. That is so true. Amen. That is true. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.